This is Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Come along as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. Steven. You missed me, didn't you? I did. It's been a few weeks and... uh, uh, to our listeners, our apologies. This is a couple out a couple days late, but uh, it's hunting season, man. What else can I say? <laughs> you can say how you did. Where were you? Uh, yeah, be specific. Well, put a, put a point on a map. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah. I've been chasing sheep and uh, had a great two weeks in the bush and um, got my fill of uh, backcountry experiences and I just had a great time. Uh, so, uh, Steve, you and I talked about this, and for our listeners. Um, we hunted this area in 2018, um, went in, and uh, we, we'd heard anecdotally that there might be some wolf issues in that area, and yep, there was some wolf issues in that area in 2018. Um, tons of wolf tracks, they were howling at night, um, never seen any wolves, but there was evidence of them everywhere, and there was not many ungulates. We, I think we seen uh, moose and elk and maybe one ram. Um, in that time. And we hunted hard, tons of valleys, put the effort in and, and it was just, uh, it got hammered by wolves. So fast forward this year, four years later, and um, there's been wolf management in that area. Uh, Wild Sheep Society BC supported some project work in there around ungulate enhancement. And um, we seen next to no wolf tracks. We heard no wolves and there were ungulates everywhere. It was, so I'm happy to report that uh, managing predators works. <laughs> you know, if the science didn't tell us that, if trappers didn't tell us that, if hunters didn't tell us that, I'm telling you, I seen it with my very own eyes. It was night and day and uh, pretty encouraging. Pretty encouraging to know too that, you know, we support on the enhancement in that area and it's it's had a pretty profound effect on uh, ungulate populations. We've seen some really good rebound there and really, really exciting. Lots of lots of animals. Oh, I, I can speak on it firsthand here in the Amanika. You know, I do some uh, uh, predator management jobs, and there's been ranchers that have not seen moose or ungulates on their property in years. And I do my my thing there and uh, remove some wolves, and they'll call a couple months or a couple months later and say, "Hey, I just saw a moose in my." my pasture for the first time in years or there's deer here now and it it works it's it's not a a nice side of 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 wildlife right nature is as they say nature is metal uh there's no there's no pretty deaths in nature and some of these uh the, the, the wolves need to be managed as part of it unfortunately but uh yeah getting that balance is is key and you saw it firsthand so it's awesome yeah, no, it was really encouraging, and uh, yeah, and you know, we sit here in our in our sort of echo chamber, and we talk about this all the time and stuff, and then to get out there in the landscape, and you know, that's where the trappers and the outfitters they see this every day, they live that life, and they're they're always telling us about it, and um, and you read about it, you know, it's the right thing, and just to see it for yourself, it's it's pretty exciting, and to see such such a, a diversity in four years, to to see such a change. Uh, it just goes to show you too, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes the effort. You just got to do it. Um, it's not like, um, you know, it's uh, it's rocket science. Just get out there and manage predators and do the right thing. And, and it makes a difference. So yeah, it's encouraging. It so. really does. And 
speaking of our ungulate enhancement, how do we how do we fund that with raffles and fundraisers? So let's just jump into that, right? Oh, that segue. Nice, nice. Yeah, that segue. Yeah, you're not allowed to use segue. Trevor Carruthers gives me a oh, hard time. Oh, segue, segue, segue. We're going to use that for oh, Trevor's, segue. Hi, Trevor's Trevor. benefit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but excellent segue. Um, yeah, so we've got a we've got five raffles on the go now. We just launched the One Campfire Raffle. I know, Steve, you were pushing hard on that and got a bunch of donations. Uh, great support. It's a great package. So there's a wall tent. Um, some optics in there. Um, Yeti's donated a ton of stuff mm-hmm. for that. Um, it is a, a skookum, skookum setup. Um, I think about $9,000 yep. in value. Um, well, we dumped it out in the first day and there was, yeah, I think we're over 25. Yeah, well, we're we haven't even really pushed sold out, it. So. We haven't pushed it at all. It hasn't even hit our social channels yet. And we're what, 26 point something percent sold on it. And yeah, there's wall tent, there's optics, there's knife. Um, there's chainsaw. chainsaw in there. It, it, yeah, it, it's more than just a, a mountain hunting package. It's a an all round package that's meant to appeal to the outdoors people in general, right? So, pretty awesome setup. Yeah, absolutely. And then we got four other um, raffles that's still on our website, wildsheepsociety.com. And right on the homepage there, there's a raffle button. Click on that. That'll take you to our raffles. There's four great raffles. So we've got our Jurassic Classic Rifle Raffle. It's a 7mm, beautiful setup from Tika and Steiner. Um, we've also got our Big Boar Series that continues thanks to Don Lindem and Gary Flack. Um, that's a 7SOM, just a beautiful, beautiful custom rifle. Um, and then we got a Sitka Gear package from our conservation partner, Sitka Gear. And our last one is a Vortex Optics uh, package, and that's in conjunction with Westside Stores. So thanks to Westside for bringing that to us. So four great packages there, five raffles in total, five great prizes we're going to give away. And um, and uh, they're, they're strong. Of course, the big boar is about half sold out, and these other ones are all really strong as well. So don't wait around because they're not going to be around yeah, for long. Yeah, that big boar one is being drawn in less than two months now. So that one's going to go exactly. quick. Uh, don't sit back and think, oh, I'll get some Christmas presents because chances are when Christmas rolls around for the other ones, they're gone as well because it always happens. Thanks to the support of our members and everybody that uh, buys. So it allows us to do things. Well, and that's, well, and that's like you said, Steve, like we're, we're putting the money on the ground, right? Um, for those of you that haven't seen, and we haven't talked about it much yet, but the Gataga River project, um, this was a great collaborative project, $150,000 budget for this backcountry cleanup at the uh, headwaters or the watershed of the Gataga River. And um, we just completed that project last month. Um, A bunch of information on our website about that. And um, so that's the kind of thing that these raffles go to support. Um, That's prime sheep habitat. And, you know, we're in the business of putting and keeping wild sheep on the mountain. And that's what we do. and, And that's where this raffle money goes. So now with that, this is a cool podcast. I knew it was going to be good. So we've got a conservation partner, Gunworks, a fantastic partner, support what we do, support our conservation efforts here in British Columbia. Um, and we had Landon Michaels on uh, today. He's a digital marketing director for Gunworks uh, based out of Cody, Wyoming, and a really knowledgeable guy Landon is. Um, I really enjoyed this podcast with him today. Um, talked lots about hunting, um, application of hunting. And yeah, we talked gun works, but we just talked about hunting in general, you know, hunting platforms um, for rifles. So pretty cool opportunity to, to catch up with Landon and the great work that Gunworks is doing. And, you know, 
as I hear on the podcast, I, I've I had the opportunity to to purchase a Gunworks a couple of years ago, and uh, it's been a, a great rifle. I love it. It's uh, it's by far my favorite rifle to shoot, and you know, of course, you spend a few dollars on it, but it's it, the value is there. It's incredible how um, you know you get a quality firearm like that. You can certainly tell the difference, right? I wouldn't know. <laughs> we don't know steve where's my gun works yeah. i'm like well you just gotta buy yeah. one well buddy i tell you i save for about five years to buy the thing i'm not even on a kidding. pilot wage too. um and uh well and um and, and i think you know no criticism gun works they they build uh a quality product oh, definitely and, and it's definitely it's uh you know it's the value is there and and even the components right like the landon talks about the the, the optic right like you know that's one of the most important components of your long range uh, hunting rifle. You know, if you if you're going to buy something, um, a, put put something on a rifle, it's got to be worthy that it's going to do the job. And you know, I got a Mark V Leopold on it, just absolutely love it for sure. So, uh, pretty cool setup. Yep. So, with that, we're off to episode number ninety two with Landon Michaels Gunworks. Enjoy. Across Canada and throughout the world. If you come across a campfire in the woods, on a mountaintop, or next to a river, you'll find warm company and friendly people gathered around. Regardless of your lifestyle or place you call home, we invite you to learn more about what it means to be a hunter in the modern era. If you love the outdoors, care about where your food comes from, and are concerned for the future of wildlife and the environments that they need to survive, pull up a seat. We have a story to tell. Welcome to our campfire. Good morning, Landon. Welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, coming on Talk of Sheep. It's great to connect with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, so I guess you're the host. Are, are you the host like you and Aaron both co-host, or how does that work with regards to the Gunworks podcast? Oh, you know, I don't think we even make it that official. It it, it seems like when we launched our podcast, um, you know, I think the intent was always to kind of put Aaron as the face of everything, but, uh, you know, he's a pretty busy guy. And so when it came down to it, uh, pretty often it falls on my lap to, to keep the thing moving forward. So yeah, we kind of co-host and we, we tried to not even make it that official. It's just whoever's <laughs> available that week or that day or whatever. Then, so we, we gang up on it and get things done however we need to. Yeah, very cool. Well, we'll uh, we'll definitely drop your digits here for how people can connect with that podcast because sure. you guys got a great ton of great stuff on there, and it's you know I, I love the I guess the diversity of it. It's not just exclusively long range shooting. There's so much content there, and yeah. I always appreciate the work that you guys do on that cast. So, um, so maybe Landon, let's before we kind of jump into it, let's just talk a little bit about you and and your involvement, how you came to Gunworks, sure. and and uh, your kind of journey getting to where you are today. Yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're based down here in Cody, Wyoming. We're just outside Yellowstone National Park. Um, you know, my background, you know, obviously to be in this industry, I think you've got to be passionate about what we do. So, you know, I've been a, a hunter my entire life. Um, you know, I grew up in Utah, but uh, a lot of my family is from this same area. And so, you know, I had kind of some roots and some connections back to, you know, Gunworks being founded in a little teeny tiny town called Burlington here in northern Wyoming. I think our you know, a sign outside town says something like residence 250. So, you know, really kind of small hometown roots with the business. And uh, I uh, yeah, had been following the business for years and uh, had the opportunity to, to join the company about six years ago, moved the family up here to rural Wyoming and uh, no looking back ever since. So we're really in, in, 
enjoying and embracing the the rural living and uh, small town lifestyle up here. That's awesome, man. I'm I'm really envious. I love that part of the world and tell you if i if i was living across the border i think that's probably where i'd end yeah, up as well yeah. P- pretty cool spot to be in so yeah we like it yeah lots lots of great stuff happening there um so gunworks has been ar- around now for i guess the better part of 16 years and it's mm-hmm. been a really cool evolution to watch um the the company and the product and and the evolution of of what you guys are doing there and your innovation really so um you know maybe let's if you can go back and just give us a little bit of history and and how things got going and and you know maybe why you feel that Gunworks has been so darn successful in a real competitive market marketplace. Yeah, yeah I mean you, you know you, you talk with Aaron about kind of the history and the and the founding. You know he's an engineer by training. I think uh, he'll he'll say he he started out in school to to build hot rods was kind of his motivation. But I think you know in at some point in school his kind of his shift focused to hunting and, you know, learning how to apply, um, some of what he was learning, uh, to the hunting field. And, you know, if anybody's been to Wyoming, we have a lot of very, very wide open spaces out here. And it's very common for, um, opportunities to present themselves a long ways out there. And I, so I think it was a, a natural kind of environment for Aaron to gravitate towards, you know, it, it, it wasn't about how far can I take this shot. It was about, dang, that de- that buck was, you know, 100 yards outside of my comfortable range with whatever system I had at the time. How can I make sure that I'm able able to make that shot next time? And, you know, so so I think that's really kind of the the environment that uh, that drove that innovation to, to be able to start stretching things out. And we kind of kind of became the pioneers in that, you know, we launched our TV show, I don't know, 12, 12 plus years ago. Um, and you know, long range pursuit. And that was kind of the, kind of the name of the game. And, you know, you know, there's always been that discussion about long range and is it our long shots ethical? And, and, you know, like I say, I, it's never been about backing up and seeing how far we can shoot. It's just about being an ethical first shot, uh, you know, one shot kill on whatever we need to do. And we're always trying to get closer, but sometimes those shots just don't present themselves. Or, you know, sometimes you got to take a follow-up shot that's a little bit outside your, your normal comfortable range and being able to be capable at some extended ranges in a lot of cases we run into here is, is very advantageous. Yeah. Well said, man. And, you know, we, we do hear that sometimes, you know, about, you know, the ethics, ethics around long range shooting and that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. And, you know, I think that the message coming out of your camp is always the right one. You know, it's always about being better about what you do. And it's not about seeing how far you can shoot. It's about, you know, being proficient when you do, you know, are pushing the boundaries. And yeah, so I I really like the, your guys' approach to it and, and the way you've, you approach it and you know when i when i'm comfortable at 600 or 800 yards it means that that 300 yard shot is an absolute slam dunk every single time you know and it's, it's funny it seems like every year i i practice you know and i'm i've got steel at 100 or a thousand yards out behind the house and you know i'm feeling really good and then i go into the field and my average shots over the past couple of years are probably right in that 200 to 300 <laughs> yard range on a lot of a lot of game because that's just how how things work out you know Mm-hmm. So. When you when you practice at the range at the the long the long bombs, like as you said, everything inside that becomes second nature. It's yeah, like absolutely. oh, absolutely, 
you do a little yeah. bit of windage. You're like, oh, wow, that's only two clicks. You know, I, I killed a buck here in Wyoming uh, this last weekend, and it was 325, a very, very steep angle downhill, you know, up off some cliffs. And so I think it was a 45-degree angle downhill shot. You know, and that's not a difficult shot, but it wasn't even a wasn't even a second thought. You know, I, I was I was focused much more on on the animal itself and my environment and everything else rather than okay, how do I make sure that I don't miss this shot? Because that wasn't even a wasn't even a consideration at that point. Well, the interesting thing is, is you talk about sort of my dad's generation, or or you know, we kind of grew up with with you know, this long range mentality shooting and, and everything kind of our, our age group, I would, you know, I would hazard to say. And, but, um, you know, I even talked to my hunting partner, he's five years older than me. Like he, he wouldn't even thought of a 350 yard shot back in the old days, you know, with the equipment they had and, and everything. And, and now it's just, you know, that's fairly common and routine, like 350 doesn't, does, it's not. It doesn't seem like a long shot for most right, people. Right. Certainly for a younger generation with with the equipment and optics and you know and the how accurate everything is now. It's it's just almost second nature to to make a shot like that where you know two hundred or two fifty was kind of the the extent of it back in the old for days, sure, right? For sure. So, yeah, very cool. Um, you know, you know, maybe let's talk a little bit about Gunworks philosophy just around, you know, long range, just, you know, as a company, like not dive into the weeds and sure. and kind of the vision and, and that sort of stuff, if you don't mind, Landon. Yeah, I mean, innovation has been really what it what it's all about for us. And, and you know, like I mentioned with Aaron earlier on, I think, you know, what's really set us apart and what what's been the the true driving force behind everything that we do is, is just, we're gear guys at the end of the day. We, we love, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're running around, Hey, check out this new piece of gear that I found and how can I make this better and fix that? And that's always been, I think Aaron's driving force as kind of the visionary behind the brand is I want to make things absolutely perfect. I want them better. It's never good enough. Um, and so, you know, he's very willing to, to buck trends, to ignore the normal kind of status quo. And I think that's where the, the, the drive and the motivation, this, this absolute passion for perfection, and then the willingness to not just give in to what everybody else tells me I need to be doing or, you know, what everybody else has been doing for a hundred years think that's what really opens these doors for really changing the industry and driving innovation um you know i I used the example just the other day kind of a a, you know simple little one but you know scopes we were in the optics business as well and you know um the topic the other day came up um well everybody in the industry is offering a scope uh a sunshade with their rifle scope and uh well you know maybe we should be too well you know aaron says I've never used one. Nobody's using them. They're sitting in the box when everybody buys the dang thing. I'm not going to provide a, a sunshade in that scope. And, you know, there might be a customer out there that doesn't buy it because he gets a free one with that scope and not a free one with this scope. But at the end of the day, it's he's he's just not willing to to conform to something that he know, that he feels um, very passionately is, is not necessarily best for the customer. 
Yeah, right on. And, you know, he did a podcast with one, uh, Nolan Osborne yeah. um, for us recently. Um, I think it was last year. And, you know, he was talking about that, you know, about lightweight rifles, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Gunworks isn't known to be the lightest and, and you know, um, and not willing to to budge on that, right? Because, you know, the focus has to be on a proper shooting platform, the proper weight as opposed to yeah. something super light that you're afraid to shoot and it's going to blow up in your face when you pull the trigger and you yeah. you you can't you can't operate it properly. So I thought that was pretty cool that there's these certain principles that Aaron and the company has that are you're not not willing to weigh from. Yeah, they could build a rifle as, as light as anyone for sure. You guys could for sure clearly, but you know it's not consistent with the the vision and and uh, and principles the, and of what the you guys experience are built on. we want to provide that customer. Right? They they may hmm. you know you guys come in like you said they come in asking what's your lightest rifle. Well, maybe that's not the the exact right question to 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 ask. Maybe it's what's the most suitable for a sheep and light enough for my hunt. You know, and so yeah, we're we're definitely willing to ask those tough questions sometimes. Yeah, very cool. So let's talk a little bit about innovation then. So like obviously Aaron's a visionary engineer by trade and just, you know, amazing what he's accomplished. But is is he the nuts and bolts? Like if there's no Aaron, is there no gunworks or or do you guys have a whole team that are building the innovation yeah. around what you do? I mean, you know, he, he is definitely the visionary behind all of it. Um, but I, I'll tell you, you know, we've got a team of Oh man, I, I lose track. It's probably six to eight full-time engineers working uh, back there right now. And so, you know, we, we've certainly grown to the point and we've got enough um, that we are trying to undertake that we need that expertise and those extra minds. And, you know, the more minds you can put together, the more you can dream up. And so, you know, a lot of that is driven by Aaron, but, um, yeah, we've got, we've got a lot of very, very talented people here driving some really cool innovations. I mean, we've seen some, some amazing stuff coming, uh, from that team here in the last, you know, year that, uh, still hasn't hit the markets. That's, that's going to blow people's minds. It's, it's really, really neat to see it. And that's, that's just the engineering side of things. You know, we've got, uh, people on the manufacturing side of things, you know, this is a little bit behind the scenes, but people don't see what goes into producing those those products, not just um, designing them and coming up with the ideas. And we've been on a massive mission to in, to vertically integrate essentially all of our products and production. So, you know, if you looked at Gunworks ten years ago, we were we were buying an action from Stiller and we were buying a. Uh, we were designing, but having a stock produced by a, a reputable manufacturer and, and sourcing a barrel and all these things and, and putting that together. And it worked for a long time, but as we've matured and grown our infrastructure and capabilities, we're bringing more of that in-house to where, you know, we brought stock production in-house um, probably five years ago, and our stock quality has improved leaps and bounds, I mean, exponentially. Um, you know, we just brought barrel manufacturing in this year, which has been a, a huge undertaking, um, and you know, will will pay off in in many ways for years and years to come. Um, you know, we this new Nexus rifle uh, product uh, product that we just launched here in the spring um, is really a true departure from the traditional Remington 700 style action that we've been building on for years and and this we call it a nexus because it truly is the nexus into the next generation of gunworks products it it will derive the direction of the business for years to come and uh 
with that new design, we're able to build all of the parts of that action itself in-house as well. Um, you know, everything essentially, but maybe a couple screws and springs and whatever else. So big moves there. Very cool. Can you touch a little bit on, on the new Nexus line and, and sort of, you know, what makes it stand out and uh, much you yeah, can share with us? You know, I mean, so, so the, you can jump, guys can jump online and, and Google it, uh, you know, look at a few videos and some things it's, it's been out since about May or June this year. Um, we're really just starting to hit our stride on producing and kicking those rifles out the door in, in some, some quantities. Um, but essentially, you know, Remington 700, it, I mean, there's so many rifles built on that platform. It's probably the most ubiquitous, um, you know, bolt action rifle platform out there for good reason. It's, it's great. Um, there's a lot of interchangeable parts out there, but it does come with some pretty significant limitations when it comes down to it. And a lot of people will think, okay, well, you know, my rifle's great. Why is that a limitation? Well, we're also stuck in the status quo that we don't realize that there's other things even out there. You know, one of the biggest limitations with that platform is mag magazine length and um, some of the compatibilities and feeding and different things like that. That's one of the biggest challenges people run into. And so, you know, departing from that platform, we're able to uh, extend magazine length dramatically to be able to load some of these new modern magnum rounds with big heavy bullets out to the lands in in our rifles and so you, you know there's there's just a whole world of uh, opportunity there uh, we're able to build a platform that you can um, use a detachable magazine but also top load that um, that magazine as well so it, it is kind of the best of both worlds um, where most of us hunting are using, you know, a hinged floor plate type type magazine because it affords better length and some other things. I'm getting a little bit into the weeds, but, you know, we built this action in aluminum. And so, you know, departing from Remington 700, you know, typically that action has to be either wire EDM or broached to be able to build the raceways for that uh, Remington 700 action for the bolt to slide back and forth. And so with a full diameter bolt, an aluminum action, uh, it's, it's easier for us pro to, to produce. It's cheaper for us to produce. Um, and so we can actually pass some of those cost savings onto our customers. So if you look at the Nexus, it's actually cheaper than our traditional rifle line. And it's not because it's not better. Um, so, I mean, you're, it, it's a better product and it's more affordable. It's a win-win across the board for everyone. Um, you know, we've even got things like um, interchangeable barrels on that uh, action is, or on that rifle. And so now, you know, you could run a, you know, a 6.5 PRC and a 300 PRC. You know, you've got your, you know, your sheep gun and your moose gun all in one. Um, just swap out the barrels in a matter of minutes and go. Um, you know, and that's not even touching on the stock design and, and uh, all, you know, the, the trigger. We've got an adjustable trigger shoe on there. There's a lot of really neat stuff. You know, when you uh, kind of depart from the status quo and start from scratch, you can get basically we can have our cake and eat it too and build every feature into that rifle that we have always dreamed about having. Yeah, that's that's really diversionary or very uh, evolutionary, I guess, in the sense that, you know, yeah, you can build this this custom package and, and customize it and do whatever you want. That's so do you envision down the road where you, you do somebody does that they 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 want have one platform and they're swapping out barrels and swapping yeah. out uh, wow that's phenomenal when you think about that it's like 
you just have one gun in the safe, but three or four different barrels and exactly. whatever the case may be. Well, and, and so. think about, um, you know, scope. I mean, you know, in a lot of these nice custom rifles, your scope costs as much as your rifle. And now you can basically have two rifles in one and one scope. So it's actually in, in the long run, you're saving yourself a lot of money, money there as well. It'd be interesting to see where this goes 10 years from now, right? You know, because it, oh, it all it, evolves as time goes on. And it will. You know, the, the one thing with the Nexus is I, I'm an ultralight nut. You know, I'm a mountain hunter. Uh, haven't had much uh, sheep experience just due to opportunities down here in the States. But I, I hunt uh, mule deer. Uh, sometimes I see more goats and uh, sheep when I'm mule deer hunting than, than uh, deer themselves. And so I'm an ultralight guy. And, you know, this Nexus... The, the first edition of it, uh, because of the features built in, isn't the, the lightest rifle out there. Um, but I, I can promise you we're going to see some very, very light iterations of that in the future. And, you know, you think about it, an aluminum action, some of these options there, um, interchangeable barrels, it makes for some configurations that, that will be very attractive to that mountain hunting crowd, I think, in the future. Yeah, really cool. I'm excited to see more on that. And I, like you said, um, you know, with the price point there, I was quite surprised. I was looking at the Nexus uh, before we were online today, and and I just couldn't believe that it was, you know, quite, it was really affordable, right? I was quite surprised. I thought it'd be, you know, new line, it'd be way more expensive, and and it, it wasn't. So I thought that was pretty interesting, and um, yeah, it makes sense, the, the reason for it. So. Yeah. Okay, so you talked about mountain hunting, and um, so maybe let's segue a little bit. Um, a lot of our listeners, uh, sheep hunters, are you know they're always looking for something super lightweight and soup, you know, something that they don't have to. You know, I think Jack O'Connor said it best: is that uh, you, you carry your rifle a lot more than you shoot it, so yeah, it better be light exactly. when you're mountain hunting. So, um, so maybe let's touch a little bit on that on your vision for a mountain hunting rifle, whether it be mule deer or sheep or goats or whatever. Kind of um, you know your your ideal setup if you were let's say you you know you're heading out on a sheep hunt in Alaska whatever the case may be and what would you be taking with you what would you have in mind for your your yeah. rifle you know um, I uh, when I joined Gunworks a few years ago I, I I think the first rifle I built was a big seven millimeter and it was kind of a, a big you know when I say heavy it's probably a nine pound gun uh, kind of an elk uh, a long range elk rifle um, but my next one was uh you know i was always looking for something a little bit lighter and uh when the 6.5 prc came out i ended up building our climber model uh in a 6.5 prc which you know that's kind of our lighter uh weight model uh that in in our traditional line um and so you know that's about an eight pound gun uh with a relatively capable yet lightweight uh optic on there i've been running that uh, loophole mark five on there for the last couple of years and it's a, it's a pretty nice balance between weight but um, some exceptional long-range capability and so I, I still you know whether I'm taking thousand yard shots in the field or not I, uh, I I feel very capable with that optic on there in an eight pound gun um, you know we uh, have you, know, you see a lot of guys uh, shooting these 26, 28 inch barrels and thinking they need that for some of these big Magnum rounds or being able to stretch out farther. And, and we've, you know, uh, kind of talking about being willing to, to buck trends, we've really been pushing shorter barrels, um, over the years. And so, you know, these, uh, 20, 22 inch barrels, that's probably the, the lion's share of the hunting rifles that we're building. And, and, you know, to be clear, we're building rifles with a laser focus on hunting, versus a lot of guys out there that are building, you know, a little bit more tactical, um, a little bit more fo focused on the shooting side of things. Um, we're, we're, we are, we're building 
we're not we're a hunting rifle company so that's what we're in it for and you know everything it, it's not just about how far can it shoot but how can i carry that thing around in the field and so uh you know the shorter barrels are really nice i mean even down to some 18 inches and i know you guys have some uh length some barrel length limitations up there i think is, is it 18 or 16 for you guys I'm not sure. Steve's the gun guy 18. in terms of regulations. <laughs> He's at 18. 18. Okay. Yeah. 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 You know, and then, uh, you know, obviously down here, suppressors are becoming a big thing and, you know, it's pretty unfortunate you guys can't, can't run them up there, but that's another motivation for, for some of these shorter barrels. Uh, you know, even with a short barrel with a six or eight inch suppressor on the end, it, it gets a little bit unwieldy to carry around in the mountains. So Cool. Uh, so that's exactly the setup. I've got a 6.5 PRC climber awesome. with a Mark V on it. Yep. It's, it's it's exactly it's money. And, yeah, and we've got a lot of them well, floating it, around for a good reason. You know, for sure. Well, and to your point about the barrel length, you know, that's the one thing I love about it. You know, I ran a couple uh, rifles before. And your barrel's sticking up, you know, 18 inches above your head or whatever. You got it in your pack, or or maybe you have a um, some sort of system on on it um, and for me, I'm always like hitting trees and banging around. And it's, you know, um, with my current system, um, I've got a gun bearer and the rifle's like six inches below my head or the barrel. Um, so it's perfect for hiking, right? And I just, if I ever get perfect. in trees or yeah. bush or whatever, I just yep. tuck it in and it's never an issue. It's just, it's such a good system. And I, I love that shorter barrel. It's just one of the things I, I, I in terms of carrying my rifle, aside from the weight, I think I'm 8.1 with the optic on it. It's just beautiful weight. It's just okay. so nice to yep. carry and so nice to shoot. It's just perfect. So, yeah, I really, really like that yeah. setup. You know, I mean, that, um, that titanium action, you know, you're saving six or seven ounces if you if you uh, spring for titanium action. Titanium's tough because it's, it's much more difficult to machine. It's expensive, the raw materials as well. And so it is a significant cost add but the nice thing is is you know as mountain hunters we're always looking for ways that we can cut weight without cutting any um, performance and that's a perfect example where there's essentially zero performance loss but uh, a straight across the board uh, weight loss with with titanium when you can justify the cost cost involved there right you know i think that 65 prc is is probably one of the most ideal rounds out there right now for deer and sheep sized game you know that that kind of mid-range large game um you know we we do see a, a lot of guys up north you know with relatively frequent bear encounters looking for maybe something a little bigger you know we see a lot of guys looking at that seven som or seven rem mag you know some of these wildcats it can be nice to have something a little bit more ubiquitous like a seven rem mag where you know that if you you know lost ammo or whatever else you could always pick up a box somewhere um and at least be be still in the field uh, hunting so there's there's some trade-offs there but um you know we definitely like to steer people towards smaller bore you know we shoot heavy for caliber bullets anyway and so you know you see like you know a lot of guys shooting these big 300s well, we're shooting as heavy a bullet in a seven millimeter as most guys in most factory rounds in a 300. And so you can gain some of that bullet weight back by just shooting a bigger bullet in a smaller bore. And you gain some ballistic performance with, with those uh, lower drag, longer uh, pointier bullets as well. Well, the ballistics on that 6.5 blow me away, the PRC. It's just unbelievable that the energy coming out of it and 
just you know from a field perspective uh me and my hunting buddy were out and i think we had to set up at 400 mm-hmm. and my we had a half inch gong and my six five was piercing the six the the half inch gong at 400 wow and he i think he was shooting his 338 and it was just bouncing off you know of course you know a lot more punch there but um yeah you know i was piercing that half inch um half inch iron at at 400 and, and 338 wasn't even doing that i thought it was yeah. pretty interesting and what that is is it's your your retained velocity and so that higher bc mm-hmm. bullet it has less drag on it and so uh you know for one the 65 prc you're probably doing close to 3,000 feet per second out of the bore with it so it's it's moving fast but it's also retaining a lot of that vol- velocity downrange because there's just much less drag on that bullet that 338 is not starting out quite as fast. It's got very good um, uh, ballistic coefficient depending on what bullet he's pushing with it. Uh, but it's, yeah, those those high BC bullets, they just retain a lot of velocity downrange, which translates into better wind performance, uh, more forgivability in, in errors in, in your wind calls or your ranging. And and obviously the, in the terminal performance on an animal with a bullet that's moving fast um, uh, is is beneficial as well yeah absolutely um can we just touch a little bit so you know talked about different calibers um talked about the seven so I'm, what's kind of the hot you know I, I know one of your dealers up here in canada precision optics uh, mm-hmm. uh omer he's been talking lots about the seven psalm i think it's pretty it's kind of the hot hot thing right now is that the hot thing or is there something else that's yeah, kind of you know i mean i i say we like to buck trends and there there's still certainly some um some trends that kind of come and ebb and flow you know in the industry um you know, when the 28 came out, 28 Nosler, it was very, very popular. Uh, everybody had to have it. I think a lot of guys are starting to learn that it's it's a little bit much for a lot of hunting applications. It, it is a really great, uh, really fast, big 7-millimeter uh, round. But, but you know, when you're pushing bullets that fast, it does come with some, some drawbacks and things get a little bit more um, finicky when you're, when you're doing that. Um, you know, so, I mean, we've always run uh, a lot of seven, seven millimeters has been kind of the core for a long time. And there's multiple flavors there, right? Your 28 Nosler, your seven rem mag, uh, the seven Psalm is, has become very, very popular in the last couple of years. It's kind of made a comeback. Um, and you know, there's, there's good reason for that. Um, seven Psalm is very efficient. You know, if you're not needing to take thousand yard shots in heavy winds on, on big animals, uh, you gain the the benefit of a short action, an efficient round, relatively low recoil round with the uh, a little bit added uh, mass of a bigger seven millimeter bullet versus the six five bullets uh, that are available. So I think that's really where that seven psalm um, shines. Uh, you know, if I were wanting to be killing elk and moose at a, a thousand yards, I probably still would reach for a little bit bigger. Um, bigger seven millimeter or 30, but, um, uh, it, it's certainly capable of, of stretching it out there. You know, we, we like these low recoiling rounds and, and, uh, that's where I think moving to the little bit smaller side of things, uh, is good. Yeah, right on. What are you running right now? So, like, if you're if you're hunting this fall, what are you going to be shooting? You know, it's funny. So, I I, I mentioned I think I, my two main rifles are the that twenty eight Nosler, a little bit bigger gun, um, and a six five PRC in a climber. 
And, you know, I kind of built them as my ultimate elk rifle and my ultimate high country mule deer rifle. And, you know, the funny thing is, is I, I find myself reaching for that six, five, a, a lot more than I pr- should probably admit, you know, I've, I've had multiple <laughs> elk hunts where, you know, that 28 great, but it's lighter. It's more fun to shoot. I'm just, I spend so much time behind it. You know, in the time I've owned those two rifles, I bet you, you know, I've owned the 28 two years more longer. And I've probably got four or five times as many rounds through the six, five as I do the 28, because it's just that much more enjoyable to shoot. You know, when you spend that much time behind that rifle, you're that much more confident in it. Um, and so, you know, it's a little bit light for some of those bigger game, but still, still capable. And it's, it's really great for those mid mid-sized animals. Yeah, I just what, built a seven SOM this spring and I'm not even shooting it. It's kind of sitting on the shelf. <laughs> One of these <laughs> days I'll, I'll pull it out. I think it'll be great to kind of bridge that gap between the two, but uh, for now it's kind of collecting dust. Yeah. One of the, the biggest issues I see with the shooters is they buy something uh, based on what people say online is the best for them. And yeah. they get behind it. They shoot it three or four times and they go, this sucks. And then it sits in the, the safe yeah. for the next year. Yeah. And then they, they punch it on paper two weeks before they hunt with one round. They go, yep, here I am. But you, you yeah. watch them and they flinch, right? Exactly. Find something exactly. that fits you right and that you can shoot over and over and over. And then it becomes enjoyable and uh then it, it's better for you and it's better for the animal in the long run. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the trigger time. It's the familiarity, you know, and that's with the rifle. It's with the ballistics. It's with everything that's going on there. Um, and then there's a the thing, things with shootability. I mean, a, a bigger gun a li- and a lighter gun, you know, those two elements combined make a rifle much more difficult to shoot. And it's, you know, guys say, well, oh, I, I'm tough. I can handle the recoil. It's not really about that. It's about um, being able to shoot it accurately or precisely, but also being able to um, handle the recoil in a way that you can see where your what your bullet's doing. Because if you're shooting an eight pound, 300 rum that you're pointing the other direction by the time things settle, <laughs> you don't know where that bullet hit or what happened, um, you know, and Sure, you can maybe get back on that animal and make a follow-up shot if you need to, but you're kind of in the dark at that point if you don't have a spotter right there next to you telling you exactly what's happened and what's going on. And, you know, being able to watch that shot, follow through, make a quick follow-up if you need to with a lighter recoiling round, it, to me, is much more valuable than having that one shot mm-hmm. with a really big, heavy-hitting bullet. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. You just watch the flinch and yeah. you, you, yeah. you st- you, you see it on social media all the time. Well, I bought a, a 30 odd six or a 300 wind short and yeah. it sucks to shoot. What's a little more comfortable? Well, you know what? <laughs> Find something that works for you and that you can yeah. shoot 20 times and not yeah. even, not even flinch. And then it becomes much more enjoyable. Then you exactly. get really good at dialing it in. Yeah, for sure. So Landon, in terms of, uh, you know, your three rifles, your six, five versus the seven, seven Psalm and, or the, the 28, uh, how, how does that compare like, uh, recoil wise? So where, where, what do you find? Obviously the six, five is a pretty light recoil, but what does it look like for the other two? Um, you know, I, I would say it's probably a pretty, um, pretty even distribution there. You know, that, that seven Psalm and the, and, tw- and then the 28 are shooting essentially the same bullet. 
Uh, sometimes we'll shoot, uh, I think the seven psalm is a little bit better suited to something more like a 168 grain bullet versus maybe a 180 grain bullet with the, uh, with the 28. And that's just a function of the powder capacity behind the, the round and being able to get enough velocity with that bullet to, to really make the high BC in that bullet shine. Uh, you can certainly shoot, you know, heavy and light bullets in both, in both rounds. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say that's a pretty nice, even jump from, you know, on the very low end of the recoil spectrum with the six, five PRC, as far as a hunting rifle is concerned, um, to, you know, I wouldn't say on the very high end with the 28, but it's, uh, it's still very, very manageable. Um, but it's, it's certainly, um, certainly more noticeable than the, than the six, five. So, you know, and one thing to note is, you know, people think, it's just a function of how big that round is or how big that bullet is or how fast it's going. There's a lot that goes into maybe not just the science of the recoil, but the perceived recoil. And what I mean by that is, is how the recoil feels to you as the shooter. And that is entirely driven by the ergonomics of the stock and how it interfaces with you as a shooter. And so we've put massive, massive, resources into engineering the lines and geometry of stocks to make them recoil straight for one so you're not getting this traditional kind of big heavy muzzle rise when you shoot and then kind of settle back down Um, you know that coupled with a really efficient break on the end of that rifle um, a negative comb on the on the stock and so that rifle is not kicking you in the face it's it's dropping away from your face when you shoot instead um, there's some things there that make a world of difference. And so, you know, one thing I would say is, you know, you could shoot a, a 28 nozzler of ours and probably uh, a 6.5 PRC from just about anywhere else. And I just about guarantee you that 28 of ours is going to feel um, more manageable on the recoil side than a lot of other much smaller rifles out there. So, I mean, that just means that our really light re- recoiling rifles are really awesome to shoot <laughs> yeah i can echo that sentiment on that's on my climber it's uh you know the recoil pad it feels like a, a bed you know it's yeah. so soft it's just yep. so comfortable but it's it's much bigger than that like you just look at the design of the the stock and i know aaron's talked a lot about it on podcasts over the the years but it's just such a, a fantastic design and it's just so comfortable to shoot and yeah you're you know i am not afraid to shoot that rifle it's just so comfortable and yeah it's yeah, really, really cool. Uh, so you talked about brakes. Let's let's just. I want to hit on something there because it's interesting. Um, and there, I guess there's some. I'm not sure if you can provide some insight and something sure. I don't have a really good answer for. But um, somebody was telling me recently. Actually, I seen it online. Was um, if you're running a brake versus a non-brake, and um, you know the the whole dialogue about you know do you tape your barrel electrical tape and all that stuff, which is fine. Sure. That's not the question. The question is is that if you're at the range and you're you're pl- shooting with your brake and then you you're dialed in, you're good, and then you swap out and you you remove the brake and you put on your um, put on your cap to um, thread protectors. Okay, um, is that going to change the trajectory of the bullet? I've been told it is. Is that the case or? Um, okay, so. W- there's a couple of things at play here. So there's trajectory, right? There's the ballistics, the, uh, the behavior of your bullet after it leaves your rifle. That's one thing, okay? And then we've got our point of impact or our zero or basically how that rifle is sighted in. 
Um, mm-hmm. So what I would tell you is removing and adding a break should not measurably affect the trajectory or the ballistics of your bullet. And so essentially if, if you've got, you know, 10 minutes of drop at 500 yards with, with your rifle with a break on, you're essentially going to have 10 minutes of drop with that rifle without the break on. Now there, there might, you're changing something. So there might be very, very minuscule changes there, but I can almost guarantee you it's going to be uh, utterly ne- negligible, probably not within the ability of us to, to measure. Now, when you take that weight off the end of your barrel and that break and put on a cap, it is going to change where your zero is. And so what I would say is, you know, if you're developing ballistics and, and kind of checking drops and all that, th- you know, uh, building a drop chart or whatever you're doing, um, it's probably not going to matter whether you have your break on and off. So go ahead and do that. But what I would always be certain to do is make sure that I shoot without that break um, to make sure that my rifle is zeroed before I leave the range. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Okay. It does, you know, yeah. And so it does affect it. It, 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 will, uh, it will impact yeah. your point of impact, right? And so your zero right. will change. Yeah. You know, we shoot a lot with suppressors, and very often you'll see, you know, you've got a pound of steel hanging off the end of that barrel. That definitely impacts things. And so um, you, you know, will very often see three or four inches of shift in where your zero is with a suppressor on versus a suppressor off. And so it, especially with a suppressor, it's very important that you re-zero. With a break, it's probably not going to be quite as pronounced as that, but it's it's enough that it, it, it should be accounted for. Okay, yeah, cool. That's exactly what I was looking for. And that's guys were saying that, but then others were arguing otherwise and, and such. So yeah, I appreciate the input. That, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I got uh, let's 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 get back into some gunworks uh, specific stuff here. Let's talk a little bit about optics. So I know you know your your platforms. You can get a whole bunch of different packages that you know I, I've seen. You know you guys have had Swarrow products, you've had Leopold products, um, and then there's a Revic yeah. line as well. So um, maybe just talk a little bit generally about optics, and then I, I believe correct me if I'm wrong, but Revic is a completely wholly owned subsidiary of Gunworks. Is that it, correct? It, yeah. Uh, essentially Revic is, okay. you know, uh, if guys are familiar with Gunworks years back, we had our G7 line of, of scopes and uh, rangefinders, And essentially that G7 brand has kind of rebranded or morphed into the Revic brand. So it is the optics and ballistics arm of Gunworks. It's, it's just kind of a sub, uh, sub side of the business focused on on optics and so you know if you look at 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 rifle scopes specifically um you know obviously that is if if you look back that is almost more important as far as providing or or building a long-range rifle system than the rifle itself you know you could go buy a a factory gun off the shelf anywhere that's that's gonna shoot good enough for most of us um but what what really makes a rifle stand apart aside from some of the, you know, the nice refinements and the way it shoots and and the recoil we talked about and everything else. But that scope is the adjustments in that scope and the precision and the repeatability and all those things. That is what makes that rifle shine for long range performance. Um, And so like, if you look back, Aaron's first patent was, was nothing to do with rifles. It was optics. It was scopes Hmm. and turrets. And so, 
Um, that's been a big, big piece of the business for us uh, for years and years. Um, you know, and and at the level that we're providing these rifles, you know, our, our tagline's always been a thousand yards out of the box. And the idea is not you, go, you can go shoot an animal first shot out of the box, but it it it's zeroed, it's sighted in. We've developed the ballistic package for that rifle. We've um, basically provided you everything to be able to go out the range and be making impacts at a thousand yards right there, right? Without having to tinker and adjust and, and figure out ballistics, we've done it all for you. Um, and to operate at that level, we need scopes that perform. And so, you know, building those rifles with the optics built in, we essentially uh, build a list, a very exclusive list of a few optics, uh, optics, and not just optic brands, but optics models, scope models that we will uh, provide with our rifle and nothing else. And so if you look at our, our lineup right now, that evolves a little bit over the years as new optics come online and come offline. But um, we've essentially kind of our two core scope offerings right now are these Leupold Mark Fives, the, the scope that you and I are shooting, uh, which is a fantastic scope. Um, um, and then uh, we've got a Collis uh, scope, which is made by Swarovski. And so basically we're getting the quality uh, of the Swarovski glass with the enhanced uh, features of the mechanics of that scope specifically for long range in that Collis line. Um, so those are kind of the two core uh, scope lines that we've been running on our rifle builds for the last few years. And, you know, that will probably continue to evolve, but um, we've had very good luck with those two scopes. They're tried and true. We know they work. Um, and we and we trust those scopes on our rifles that we're sending to our customers. Um, and then the addition to that is is the Revic line. And um, you know Revic uh, on the on the rifle scope side of things, um, we launched our first kind of flagship product was a PMR that was a smart scope. And so essentially we've got all of your ballistics electronically built into that scope to where all you need to know once you've got that scope mounted is a range and it's going to calculate everything for you. Now it's not doing that for you. It's simply uh, holding your hand or telling you basically what your, your ballistic app on your phone or your advanced range finder or binoculars with ballistics built in. It's giving that data to you. So you have all the information you need to be able to execute a shot um, at your fingertips, basically in the view viewfinder of your scope. Um, that scope was a little bit heavy, to be honest. It was, I think, 47, 48 ounces. And so it was oh, not yeah. very um, n not very applicable to a lot of our, especially mountain hunting applications. Um, the, what's really you, funny, though, is, you know, you think, okay, we're putting all these electronics in there that makes it heavy. It, it was actually just the design of the scope. It was a 4 to 28, relatively high power that made that scope heavy. And so, um, you know, you didn't hear it from me, but um, a Gen 2 line of those scopes will be coming pretty quick. And uh, we're going to have some hunting weight options in that in that lineup. So that's that's got me pretty, Very pretty cool. excited because I love that scope, but I just can't justify it in the backcountry. And so it's going to it's going to uh, be a pretty awesome offering here real quick. Yeah, very cool. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, awesome. Uh, talk about a little bit about um, maybe if we just touch on it uh, since we're on optics rangefinder. So, um, what are you running for a rangefinder? What are you kind of recommending for that for a hunting uh, hunting application? So you know, I didn't even touch. Yeah, 
And so I didn't even touch on range finders, but yeah, our, so, you know, we've been building those, that old BR2, BR2500 range finder, the G7 branded for years. It was essentially the first ballistic range finder on the market for uh, consumers. You know, there might've been some military stuff before that, but it was pretty groundbreaking 10 years ago. Uh, problem was it was kind of a brick. It was a big two, two-handed unit. And uh, we just launched the BR4 under the Revic brand last year. It's about half the size. You know, we're getting right about to 4,000 yards range capability with it. It's Bluetooth enabled. Oh, wow. It's got uh, the improved kind of the new uh, Revic ballistics engine built into it. And so it's absolutely crushing it. I mean, it's it's hand, hands down the the best range finding unit out there for, for hunters with all the ballistics built into it. So um, definitely the, the way to go there. Very cool. Um, okay, so we've talked a little bit about the different platforms. We talked about optics. We talked about, uh, but you know, the way I look at GunWorks, it's like an ecosystem, right? You guys, mm. you guys got your, um, you know, you got your your systems, and then, but you also support with training. You've got the podcast. There's a ton of support. The resources are phenomenal. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, Long Range University, and so somebody's got the platform. That the thing is that I have the I have a climber. Yeah. I can't use it to the capabilities that I should, and I've never sure. taken a course. I'd love to, just never done it. So, can you touch a little bit about uh, Long Range University and and how people can get better? Yeah, I mean it, it's a big piece of the business, and it has been since day one. And you know, essentially, we realized that you know shooting long range is a, a very uh, specialized skill. It's you know, it's not something you can just pick up and and do successfully or ethically uh, right from the get go. And so, um, we we essentially run these training courses. Uh, most of them are here outside Cody, Wyoming, where we're based, uh, but we do run through. Th- few throughout the country and um you know we've we've talked about canada i think there's some export restrictions there that we got to just work through a little bit of red tape but i think it's been talked about and hopefully one of these years we'll get one uh, up your way but uh, essentially we start up in you know may april every year and run through october and um, we've got a dedicated team that are very exceptionally uh, experienced uh, long-range shooters and, and trainers. Most of these guys are coming from, you know, military, sniper, uh, law enforcement backgrounds, but with a, a heavy um, hunting experience and, and passion as well. Um, and we run guys through these classes and essentially teach them how to shoot these rifles because, you know, at the end of the day, if our if our customers can't put these products to their best use, then we're we're failing as a business yeah, we're failing as a business, right? So, so we we got to teach guys how to be um, effective with with those products, not just provide the products and leave them onto their on their own to to figure it out. Yeah, I I can speak from experience. You know, like yeah, just the, I, there's a lot more I know that that rifle can do, and I'd like to utilize it. And just uh, I'm pretty limited on. I, I'm certainly not you know enjoying all the benefits that that rifle is going to give me because i just haven't got the experience to do it so if i wanted to come and do a course how long are they what does it involve um obviously down in cody you mentioned but do you have some other destinations too i think we do have some other destinations we usually do one in in uh, texas every year we've got one in colorado this Mm -hmm. year um a few around Uh, i think we've got one in oregon a few other places um and so yeah they can jump on gunworks.com look at the schedule and essentially sign up there um it, it it runs 
runs, you know, a guy that was dedicated and wanted to come out for a full week, you could literally run through the kind of the entire curriculum in the course of a week. Um, you know, I realize that's a, a hefty time commitment. And so, you know, a lot of guys will just come out for a level one course, which is usually uh, two days. Uh, and then essentially we'll run a, a level two immediate after, after that. So if the guy wants to just come out for level one and, and call it good for now, he can. If he wants to stick for two more days, he can tack on level two there and then he can stay through the weekend and, and finish up with a level three. And so that's just kind of a, a general progression there. Um, you know, and that, and that we, you know, we call it a basic or a, um, a foundation course. It's not basic at all. I mean, you guys are, are shooting steel at a thousand yards that first day. And, um, you know, we'll get, it, it's really unique because we'll get guys come out who have been shooting their, their entire lives, you know, and, and kind of, uh, you know, I don't know why I'm here. I I should be teaching you guys how to do this. And then you get the, you know, every once in a while you get a, a lady come out who's literally never pulled a trigger and everybody walks away raving about how much they learned. And, um, you know, so it's, it's a very, uh, it, it's amazing how uh, well our team has been able to tailor that curriculum to provide value to anybody and everybody coming out. That's awesome, man. I it's on my list. I got to get down there for for one of those courses. Start off with level one and work my way up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely got to take advantage of it. I've been uh, dying to do that. But uh, yeah, We'd time's always you. a premium. So. Yeah, understandable yeah. for sure. We'll have to make time next yeah. year. Yeah, it would be great if we get you up in Canada here too, right? So I know there's there are challenges, but we need uh, to make that happen. And I think there's motivation too. So uh, look right. for look for awesome. it in the near future. I think. Love to hear that. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about you. We talked about Gunworks. We talked about the platforms. Talked about LRU. Let's talk about um, what's the plans for the fall. What are you hunting? What's your plan? <laughs> oh man, I mean Wyoming. I, I've always uh, met, you know said that I think Wyoming here is, and maybe I'm biased, but I think we've got probably the best opportunities for resident hunting in the at least in the lower 48. Now I think you guys have some pretty amazing opportunities there north of the border and our our. Uh, Alaska guys have some pretty incredible opportunities. I've always aspired to do some sheep hunting and some moose and caribou, which very jealous of that. But, you know, short of that, we've got some pretty awesome opportunities for elk and deer down here. You know, we can pick up a, a deer and elk general season tag over the counter, uh, just walk into the gas station and convenience store and pick one up and, and go hunting. And so we're, we're in the thick of it. I mean, we're prime elk right now. Um, you know, just shot, uh, shot my muley, uh, this last week, spent some time archery hunting and, you know, missed a, a buck of a lifetime on the archery hunt and, and tried to get caught up with them on the <laughs> rifle and, and didn't quite, didn't quite make it happen. And, uh, just saw a picture posted the, the beauties of social media, <laughs> some, uh, some high school girl <laughs> shot, shot the deer I was after, uh, last week. And so congrats to her. And that's how hunting goes some, sometimes, but um, yeah, so we've got some mule deer hunts in the, in the works and some elk. Um, I drew a bison hunt, uh, down here in Wyoming this year, which is a pretty big deal. Oh, and, cool. and so that's probably going to be a, a big focus, uh, for me, but yeah, we're, we're taking, Will you use your 28 on that one or you what know, are your thoughts uh, on that? I, right now I am carrying the 28 and you know, there's obviously no shortage of other rifles I could grab off the shelf. And, you know, if I were thinking, harder about it i might go grab like a 338 rum we've got a dangerous game rifle that's made you know for you know 375 ruger or something like that would be pretty handy but these bison um as long as you can get a good shot on them i, I think that 28 with a big 100 180 grain bullet will will do well enough on them that 
you know, I, I'd, I'd rather carry my own rifle and, and dirty up and scratch up my own rifle than, than borrow one off the shelf. That's not mine, you know? So that's just right. kind of a personal thing. I have to explain to the boss why is uh, <laughs> <laughs> why it looks the way it does. Well, and, and there's uh, something about yeah. just the familiarity, and and you know, I, I just I, I yeah, I like knowing my equipment and and hunting with my equipment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I guess that's the tough part is uh, you know you're surrounded by all these cool equipment all the time, right? Yeah. It's like trying to find that balance and. And, uh, yeah, it'd be pretty tempting to grab something and go every, every yeah. weekend with something different. Right. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. One of these days I'm going to figure out how to get up North and do a sheep hunt. It's, uh, it's very, very top of my list, but, uh, uh, the attainable side of things, it's a little bit, a little bit challenging. So Need- for Wyoming land and how tough is it to get a draw? Like what are your odds like there um, and how does that system look? You know, if, if I were to average it out, you're probably looking at 20 plus years as a resident in Wyoming to draw a tag. Um, they actually just made it tougher this year for non-residents to draw a tag here in Wyoming because I think they just reduced the non-resident allocation. So we've got a lot of non-residents that are pretty unhappy about that for very understandable reasons. So it's it's very challenging, you know, unless unless you got the money to to cash out for a, um, as, you know, some of these uh, other hunts. It's draw tags down here are very very difficult for us, you know. And yeah. and being that I moved moved states a couple of years ago, it, it sets me quite a quite a ways back in the in the lineup there as well as far as points and applications go. So I know this system, like you said, just changed this past year. But if you were a non-resident applying, um, do your points carry over? Like if you come, if you move to Wyoming from out of state, then does the, they'll carry over? Or do you have to start from scratch? I, I believe if, and someone may correct me if I'm wrong. I believe um, I came in having not applied as a non-resident in Wyoming uh, for sheep uh, specifically, and so. Okay. Um, I didn't have any to carry over. I, I believe they do carry over for sheep and, and moose. Um, those are the two species okay. that we have points for here in Wyoming. Uh, so if a guy did move into the state and had some previously existing points, I think they would carry over. Um, but you know, that's, it's relatively expensive to, to apply for those, those points as a non-resident. And that's just, you know, for it, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but as a non-resident, I, w- I was applying for deer and elk and, and not for sheep and moose in those years right. back. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I know for us, for antelope, but a lot of guys have been applying for years and, and then, um, this change this year, I think, uh, I think guys, some, maybe some guys were probably a little disappointed, yeah. but, uh, yeah, for sure. But yeah, no, I get it. They're, they're just managing their yeah. game at, at like they have to, right. You're, so, and you're talking for, sure. for Wyoming so. specifically with the antelope as well. Yeah, that, that was one of the big states. A lot of guys would put put um, you know a lot of Up guys there, would just yeah. be building points and and then you know get some of the better zones and stuff they could choose from and stuff right. like that to to go and I, I I just started applying a few years back. Gotcha. But. I I think they have not yet changed antelope, deer, and elk. I think it was just sheep and moose that they maybe goat that they changed last year. And so there has been talk of changing that same that similar allocation um, uh, numbers uh, for. Uh, deer and antelope and elk but i as far as i know it's not happened yet so it okay, might still cool. be a so little bit in I'm the still good. in the green there <laughs> at least yeah cool yeah i'm a little bit late to the party i know some of my friends have been doing it for a decade yeah. and i just kind of yeah. kind of got on the bandwagon the last few years here so yeah, yeah. awesome 
Yeah, cool. So what's the rest of the rest of the day look like for you? You you busy in the office there? Or are you going to go go do some hunting or oh, uh, yeah. I guess it's the weekend, right? Yeah, so. it is Friday, so um, you know, I'm probably going to run over right now. A lot of our seasons overlap, so I've got to do a little bit of deciding whether to go chase some uh some bison or some elk this year or this weekend, I think is the is the two options and usually when I don't have a very good plan, uh <laughs> things don't work out very well, but <laughs> Uh, it's going to be the same general direction. I've got a bow loaded up and a rifle, so we'll we'll decide whether to go chase some some bugles or some some big uh, big huge bison this weekend and see how it goes. Sounds like a pretty good problem to have. How yeah, season's awesome. looking for you guys? I, I guess uh, sheep season's probably pretty much all wrapped up. You got some some moose and some some caribou, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's still open for another week or so or whatever i'm not sure exactly when it closes to be honest uh, but uh, i just got out of the bush i got out on sunday and uh was chasing sheep around there and chasing being the keyword not killing but uh, <laughs> yeah. still had a great trip so yeah yeah really cool so that's why they call it hunting yeah, i guess sure. not killing right yeah exactly i think steve's going moose hunting next week yep. or shortly yeah leave next thursday Very. right in uh prime rut will be good but yeah we got a uh, cool. ton of stuff open right now we got deer both species uh, moose yeah. elk is open for another I think month or so yeah just lots of stuff very cool and i got an alberta um alberta antelope tag uh next uh, in, in about three weeks the middle of october so okay. looking forward to that so should be good very nice but um so just to close things off uh landon uh people want to pick up a gunworks uh check out the product where's the best where you know best resources what what do they need to do yeah i mean i think the best thing is to just uh, jump on gunworks.com check it out um you can configure build out all the options it'll it will show you visually what your rifle configuration looks like uh on our online gun builder there you know there's literally like 50 million ways you can build one of our rifles it's very configurable uh very customizable so that's probably the place to start and if you got questions give the guys a call you know we've got guys uh, there to answer phones and they're not just there to take orders. I mean, they are, they live, eat and breathe this stuff. Um, you know, you got questions or want to bounce ideas off of them. They're there to kind of consult and discuss and, and find the absolute most perfect rifle configuration for you. Um, and then, you know, obviously you guys can, uh, listen to the podcast, uh, YouTube, you know, we've been really big on, you know, we talked about training. It's not just about selling guys classes. You know, we've got a lot of material on YouTube to watch and there's some, some good learning there. Um, you know, long range pursuit, our TV show has been running for years and you can find some of that on YouTube as well. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and all the, all the good stuff there as well. Got to make the plug from the marketing guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, I, I will. Uh, I'll give you tons of kudos. Uh, that GunWorks is, in general is that um, it really is a, a community or ecosystem. And uh, I've lost many afternoons just going through videos <laughs> and and you know just going through the website. There's so much, so much information, so many resources there, and it's just really good stuff. And it, and it's very specialized too. You can just go in, and there's literally hundreds of topics you can go through. And and then on top of it, the the website is phenomenal. I, I've felt that. That's very, very um, friendly, easy to use, um, and really transparent. So, yeah, you guys have done a fantastic job of just creating an environment where it's easy to learn through through your platform. So, awesome. Thank, thank you. 
All right, man. Well, we'll we'll let you get after some bison or some elk or whatever it is you get <laughs> yeah. get after. And uh, just thank you for taking the time to meet with us today, Likewise. Len. I appreciate, I appreciate all it. you do. And yeah, um, Gunworks is a one of our conservation partners. Just a huge supporter for conservation wild sheep here in BC. And just can't thank you and your team enough for all you do. Likewise, happy to be part of it.